I believe God is just, I almost feel like I have the gift of faith operating in my life. And I'll tell you why. Because thinking this big, I've been a pastor now for, I don't know, quite a few years. I've been in ministry since um, Africa. We went to Africa in 19... When did we go to Africa? You weren't born. Why am I looking at you? Um, <laughs> it's been a long time. Anyway, we've been in, in ministry probably 25 years, give or take. And uh, I've never th- thought this big before in my life. Never. And uh, the Lord said, you know, when you start thinking, how many know that the devil hears these messages? He's not deaf. So he hears people talking big. He hears you. He hears me. And so, you know what he, he tries to do, which he'll fail, is that he tries to bring in division. He'll try to bring in division and, so, and get people offended so he can divide. That is his goal. And the Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. So when somebody's offending you, just know that's not coming from that person. Don't let your spouse offend you. Don't let something uh, somebody says in this church offend you. Don't let me offend you. You hang around me long enough, you know, there's my leadership team. They've hung around me quite a bit, you know. There's probably going to have opportunity to get offended because of I said something, you know. Don't let offense separate you from what God wants because God wants to do something not only big in our church, but in in our city, in the church as a whole in our city, and in your family. And if the devil can cause division, I'm telling you, it's a terrible thing. Because in Genesis, it says this. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them. Nothing will be restrained from them. But we think nothing will be restrained from them. Are you interpreting it this way? Unless you don't have money. Nothing will be restrained from you uh, unless you live in Pueblo. Uh. (laughs) Nothing will be restrained from you and you fill in the blank. But there is no blank in the word of God. It says nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So the Lord spoke to me. I was at a leadership conference this past week up in Colorado Springs. And so I just, a couple of guys were talking to me. And they said, well, so what's going on in your life? I said, uh, I've been thinking too small and so have you. I said, every minister in this conference is thinking too little. And he looked at me. and Okay. And it's true. It's true. Uh, I went to city council I'm going to try to go every month. If you ever want to go to the city council meetings of Pueblo, it's twice a month. I think it's the second and the fourth Monday, 7 o'clock on a Monday, every second and fourth Monday. You can go, and it's open up to the public. Matter of fact, you can go, and they have a sign-up sheet. If you want to say something and express your opinion, you sign up before the meeting, and then they'll call on you. And there were four people who got called on this past uh, Monday, and it, this is nothing against them, so if, if they're visiting our church today, you're going to have an opportunity to get offended. But anyway, uh, <laughs> those four people, did, when they got up there, it was just negative, negative, you're not doing your job, and this is ter- you're terrible, blah, 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 and, and it's like, and the rule is the city council cannot rebuttal or debate you. They just have to go up there and shake their head as you're throwing up on them. And so uh, I just felt really bad for them. So after the meeting, I thought, I don't know if this is illegal or what, but I'm going to go up there and talk to them. So I've, as soon as they closed it and adjourned the meeting, I shot up there and uh, started talking to them. Four out of the seven stayed and just huddled around me to see what I had to say. And I said, uh, I just want you to know our organization is for you and for the city. And I said, I've got a question for you. And they all leaned. They thought I was going to come up there and throw up on them, just probably like everybody does. So I said, you guys, we think you're doing a great job. 
And I said, if money was not an issue, if you had all the money in the world, what would you want to do? Or what would you want to happen for the city of Pueblo? And this one guy, he was probably one of the older guys. I, I forgot his name. But uh, he said, you know, every town that I know, he says, even Lamar and every place that I visit, he says, they have an awesome youth center. He says, we have the why, but he says, I would ha- love to have a youth center that was more centrally located, that is just something that it could really take care of our youth and get them out of the gangs and just be a good, nice place. And, listen to this, have an after-school program for, for kids in school to come to it, to have a safe place and be able to learn and be uh, tutored. And, and I, thought, I thought Morgan, she's on our leadership team, she wanted that to happen. That's one of her deals. And so I said, we'll make that happen. <laughs> I know. You know what I feel like? I feel like, you know, we went to Disney World one time. We got on this roller coaster. It's the fastest roller coaster. It does zero to 60 in like two-something seconds or something. I mean, it will take the wrinkles out of your face for a split second. (laughs) I screamed. I screamed like a girl, and nothing came out, though. (laughs) Because it sucks the oxygen right out of you. This is... (laughs) I feel like I'm on that, and now that I'm on, you know, when you're getting on that and they start telling you about it, you start t- talking about it, you go, maybe I shouldn't have gotten on this ride. <laughs> and I thought, it's too, once you get strapped in, it's too late. <laughs> they push the button and boom, you're gone. I feel like this, when we were worshiping God, I go, Lord, I feel like I'm on that ride. What I'm saying is this, I'm telling our whole church, this is what we're, we're believing for. I mean, it's big, it's big and big, and I'm on the ride. And it's like, what have I done? <laughs> this is so big. It, it's like that ride. It's so fast. And when you get off of it, it's like, whoo, that's good. And your legs are shaking. And you think, I can't believe I did that. I survived. Listen, this is big what God is, wants to do in our city. And so I thought, we're going to build this. But then I felt like the Lord said, now listen, you don't want to just build a gym and a swimming pool with a slide. You need to build, because I, I was talking, I don't know much about buildings, but I do know it takes money to build them. And so I was thinking about it, and I thought, yeah, man, it may take $5 million to build a building like that. And the Lord said, no, it'll take more than that. Because you don't want to just build a so-so building. You want to build a cutting-edge, futuristic a building that if President Trump comes anywhere in the state of Colorado, he'll want to come to Pueblo to see that building. I said, Lord, that's a building. And he gave me the illustration. You remember Solomon built the temple? Everybody from the known world wanted to come to see what Solomon did. The Queen of Sheba. That was my favorite term when I was growing up you know I go man that woman she's like the queen of Sheba look at her I tell you what no (laughs) anyway I digress but anyway everybody came to see what she was what was going on I thought wouldn't it be nice for people in Denver to go have you seen that building in Pueblo it's the most futuristic it's a building like I've never seen before and you say well pastor what is it going to look like I have no idea how much is it going to cost? Don't know. What's going to be in it? Don't really know. All I know is I'm believing for that to happen. Did you know Solomon didn't have to come up with the plans for the temple? He didn't even have to come up with a plan. All he had to say is we're going to build it. I don't know, but I just get excited and thinking, what is it going to look like? I don't know. What's it going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be like astronaut city or something. You know what I mean? It's going to be so futuristic. People are going to go, wow. If you're 80, you'll want to see it. And if you're two, you want to see it. I don't know. And But this is what I do know. It's going to cause tens of thousands of people to get born again. How is that, Pastor? I don't know. I don't know how, but I just know there's something that God's going to do that God's going to say, I'm going to use this for my glory. And Pueblo's a prime. I mean, if this happened in Dallas, if it happened in Denver, if it happened in New York City, everybody go, wow. If it happens in Pueblo, everybody's going to say, 
That's God. And why Pueblo? Because there's people that are believing. I, if you keep up with the church Facebook page, you know it was posted that I was going to preach on uh, the rest of the story, part two. And uh, in the yesterday afternoon, I was putting it, finishing the touches and everything, and I just felt like I'm not supposed to speak this tomorrow. And uh, I just thought, bum, because it was already, I was just going to tweak it and go have fun for the rest of the day. But uh, I just thought, no, uh, and through you, that song that was playing up there, and the song that the worship team and me, we never have get together and say, I'm going to preach on this, and, or what are you all singing, and put it together. Did you notice the theme of the worship today? Two of you. Did you notice the theme of, of worship today? I mean, I mean, John, we may have to crank up the volume just a little. They, a couple of them slept through it. But uh, it was about nothing is impossible about believing God. And that's what the Lord just turned me around. And he says, that's what you need to preach today. Because we're not thinking big enough. And God says, I want you. Do you know that God is not withholding? He's only limited by your imagination. I don't think he heard that. I said, God is not withholding. You know, if you just struggle, if you just pray, you need to fast more. You need to do this more. And he says, then I will just open up the windows of heaven. No, God is saying, I'm ready to do everything because I've given you Jesus. How much more will you not freely give you everything else, he says. He's given us freely everything else. So what is the hang up? Your imagination. You're, belim- you're limited believing. So, you know, I thought I was stretching it a couple of months ago. I thought, I'm a, I need to believe God for an extra million dollars to come into the church a year. And I thought, yeah, I believe an extra million dollars. And the Lord goes, really? Going to change Pueblo with a million dollars, huh? Good luck with that. And so I was thinking about that, and I go, yeah, you're right, Lord. It's, it's five million we need to believe for five million. And my brain was going, we've never even had a million dollars come into in one whole year. This past year was the biggest year. I think it was 200, you can look at the report, 200 something thousand dollars, which that's the most that's ever came into this church. I mean, no, you really can't change a city with $200,000. And so I felt like, you know, when Abraham was, he was bartering with God when about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. Well, have you destroyed it with 50? He was the first auctioneer. How about 50, 58, 50, 50, 50, 45, 44, 30, 30, 25, 20, 10, 10, go, come out, five. And God says, okay. So I felt like God and I were having this conversation. Okay, how about 5 million? Mm-hmm. I go, oh, I don't know about that. You know, 10, 10 million dollars a year. <laughs> And I thought, if we're going to build a church, start rebuilding the city buildings, other than, you know, maybe a great school system building, a great youth center, a great apartment complex for single women with kids. It's going to take a lot of money. I thought, yep, $50 million a year. Yeah, this is the same response I got in the first service. <laughs> For those who don't know, you're not on TV. This is live, and I can see your face. But anyway, um, I thought, wow, $50 million. And I thought, well, in reality, it's the same like as $1 million. I can't, I can't ring up a million dollars. So my b- brain was going, yeah, but 50, that's, that's a stretch. A stretch to who? Is God up in heaven going, holy cow, $50 million for this? I tell, oh, man, Michael, did you hear it? What's that prayer? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that never happens with God. God is never like, woo. That, you will never hear that come from God. God never goes, woo man, you're believing me. He goes, really? That's, that's it? It's really? It says nothing 
nothing will be restrained from them what they're imagining. So I just thought, man, I, I, we need to think big. That's the only thing that's limiting us is our imagination. We don't think, we think that's too big for God. We don't say that, but that's what we imagine. That's too big for Pueblo. Listen, this is the thing. God doesn't want just to do this to our city. He wants to do this for our church. He wants to do it for the churches in our city, but he also wants to do it for you individually. And he wants to do it for your family. Everybody in here is thinking too small for your family. Everybody in here is thinking, every single one of you, including me, is thinking too small for yourself and for your family. And some of you may have some great, big, huge ideas, and God says, you really can't impress God with your big thinking. Nobody has, and nobody ever will. You won't impress him. It didn't impress God for me to say, I want to build a 10 or $20 million rec center for our city. God didn't go, woo. He didn't do that. He says, you going to believe that? I said, if I can get some people behind me, we'll all believe that. That's why this is important, not to have any division in your life, in your church, in your families, in your leadership teams. You cannot afford to have division. Why? Because it's destructive. So we don't fight against flesh and blood. You're supposed to love people like God loved you. You know, and I've said this before, you know, we say unconditional love. That's how you're supposed to love your spouse, your children, your pastor. Unconditionally. What does that mean? I love you not based upon how you treat me. I love you based on a decision I've made. And unconditional love is an oxymoron, really. It's like saying wet water, bright sunshine, good ice cream. <laughs> you don't have to say that, those things. Do you? Ice, all ice cream is good. All water is wet. All sunshine is bright. All love is unconditional. If it's conditional, then it's not love. Well, if you treat me right, I will love you. If you do a good job, then I'll love you. That's called conditional love. God says that unconditional love is inside all of us. And that's how we're supposed to love everybody else. People say, well, I just can't love him. Well, that's because you're trying to love after the soul and not after the, the love of God that's been placed inside all of us. It's been, the love of God's been put inside all of us that believe in Jesus Christ. It's in you. You can love your spouse when they are just flat out mean not that anybody has a spouse like that but you can I got this picture this illustration of uh, a husband and wife that are just being at each other tearing each other up and it's because they know each other after the flesh and the Lord said if they could peel back the flesh and look at the spiritual man they would see Jesus And that's how we're supposed to know one another. Not, we're not supposed to know each other in that. He just never takes out the trash. He never does anything for me. And she can't cook anything. I'm on a diet not because I want to be. Because she can't cook. And clothes, iron, look, just look. I mean, and, and then that's how you base each other's love. And God says, you're supposed to peel back. When you get born again and I get born again, we have the grace of God in us to look and re, have a relationship by looking inside of them and say, you have Jesus inside of you. I have Jesus inside of me. I love you. Period. Not, you know, I love you. If you will do this or if you Quit doing this. That's marriage class 101. Now everybody's going to have a great marriage. That's all you need. <laughs> you start just looking at people after. Paul said this. He says, I know no one after the flesh. What are you talking about, Paul? He goes, I, I don't know you after the flesh. I know you after the spiritual man. And based upon that, I love you no matter what. No matter how you treat me, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what I see out of your life, I love you, period. 
I think you can have some great relationships if you have that kind of revelation. You have a great marriage based upon that. And if they never change, won't matter. Woo! Okay, we'll move on with the message. <laughs> Believe in God that nothing is impossible. This is going to be like Bible school 101. We're going to go through this really quick. If you can't keep up, at least write the, the scriptures down, or you can go on our website. All of these are in the message for today. Are you ready? Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I tell you, you can pray for anything, even a youth rec center. That's a $20 million youth rec center. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. I just thought, man, this is so big. I wonder, I, Lord, is this something that can happen? You know what? He'll go, I don't know, is it? <laughs> you didn't hear me. I said, Lord, I mean, can this really happen? And the Lord goes, I don't know, can it? Yeah. I don't know, can it? Because yeah. it's not based upon God and his resources. You know, he says, <laughs> you know, we only have so much square footage that we can allot for this. We have so many dollars allotted to this. We only have some. Because I thought about, Lord, you know, we need to build a, a church building, which that may cost $5 million, and then this youth building. And then we have all these ministries and missionaries. We don't, we're still going to support Africa. We're still going to support India and, and the pregnancy center. We're going to still support all these things, Lord. I mean, this, and, and I felt like the Lord said, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> what is he saying? God can build a church. He can build a rec center. He can build a, a single mom center. And he can build anything that we want. And he can still support missions and never, never, never have a hiccup. So it's not up to God. You know, for years, the church, and even me as a pastor, Lord, give us more people. Give us more money. Give us so we can do stuff. We, we, we need you to do something, God. And so it gets quiet in heaven when you talk like that. Because God is saying, we need you to believe. We need you to pray and believe. If you pray and believe, all things are possible. Here we go. Jeremiah 32, 37, 27. Jeremiah 32. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Yeah, but God, we're talking Pueblo. This is a difficult one. Or we're talking your family. Lord, have you seen my checkbook? I don't even need a checkbook. You usually have a checkbook because you have enough money to, to, to watch it. I don't need a check. I don't even need a notepad. Job. You know, Job, he was the one who said, you know, he, he's famous at every funeral just about because people quote him all the time at funerals. The Lord giveth and... The Lord taketh away. And then we get spiritual. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> How many know Job said that? And so we quote that. But you got to read chapter 42 and find out what Job said as well. This is what Job said after he said that. I am convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You ask, who is this muddying the water? Ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes. That was God speaking to Job. You're muddy in everything, Job. And then Job says, I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders way over my head. You told me, listen and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions. You give the answers. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. This is Job saying, if you read another translation, he says, I spoke of things that I knew nothing about. Job confesses with his own mouth. And what I said in the previously chapters, I was wrong and stupid for what I said. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he said, he's repenting for what he said. And yet you hear that at funerals. All of those ministers need to repent. You know, I used to say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I was wrong. I'm sorry. God is not a taker. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come. 
then they may have life and have it more abundantly. Don't ever let anybody, you say, well, what about this situation? What about that situation? I don't know, but this has to be in your foundation. God is not a taker or a robber. If something is being stolen from you or taken from you, you can just know for a fact that it's the devil. It's pretty easy, isn't it? He says, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'll never do that again, I promise. I'll never again live on the crust of heresy and crumbs of rumor. And then, you know, I hear this from people all the time, you know, like, you know, God is sovereign, and so uh, this, it, this bad thing's happen because it's the will of God. The majority of Christians believe that, unfortunately. Well, this is the old covenant. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20. Today... I have given you the choice between life and death. Does that sound like somebody who's in charge of everything that happens in your life and that happens on this planet? If that's true, then why is he giving somebody a choice? If everything happens and it's the perfect will of God, then why did God in the old covenant say, I have given you the choice? I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings, Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. This is for people who are really off the deep end and don't know which one to choose. See, life or death. Hmm, blessings or curses. So God says, I hope you choose life. So that you and your descendants, your children might live. You can make the choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. There's a little asterisk beside that and it says, he, Jesus, he is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now this is in the old covenant. So it's everything was conditional in the old covenant. If you obey if you do this, if you do that. And so what the church has done, they've taken the, the conditional of the promises and brought them into the new covenant. If you do this, if you do that, you'll be blessed. But if you don't do this and if you don't do that, the blessings will not come upon you. In the past, I've even said that. <sighs> it's wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all of the promises, all of the promises are yes and amen. How can that be? Because God wants his blessings to come to you, and the only way he could come for them to come through you, to you, unconditionally, is to make them come through Jesus. Because Jesus was the perfect one. He was the one who obeyed, who did everything that God wanted him to do. He was the only one that could live the perfect life. And so God says, I'm going to give you Jesus. And for your sin and your weakness and for your lack of performance, I'm going to give you Jesus and we're going to switch the two on the cross. What you should have gotten, Jesus is going to get. And what he has, you're going to get. How many think that's a good deal? It's called the gospel. (laughs) That's the gospel. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can never be holy enough. I can never be righteous enough. I can never do everything just right. And God says, I know, you need a savior. You need a savior. And I provided him. So now, guess what? All of the promises to Mike are not based upon what Mike does. It's not how righteous Mike can be. It's not how holy I can be. It's not even up to Mike. If I obey perfectly, then I get. No, it's based upon, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Then all of the promises, Mike, are yes and amen to you. Period. God has blessed you and me based upon the performance of Jesus not based upon your performance. Oh, I know some religious people will probably just, will probably, we need to get some, what do they call them, fibrillators? What are they called? <laughs> we probably need to have a set because when I make statements like that, super religious people, <gasps> clear. <laughs> we don't want anybody dying. 
dying because of the gospel is too good to be. I mean, the news is just so good. It just makes religious people go, <laughs> I'm coming. Okay. I digress. Let me go to Romans. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. Yet faith comes from listening to the good news. To what? The good news. The good news about Jesus. This is what I just said was the good news about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. It's not about Mike. It's not about you. It's about him, honey. That has set you free. The Passion Translation says this. So faith, when it's birth in our heart, that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. So you can say this. Faith is a response to what God has already done. See, I used to not only believe, but I used to teach that, you know, we got to have faith and, and believe God for, for this to happen, for this to come into existence, for us to get our hands wrapped around this. And no, faith is believing what God and responding to what God has already done. You say, well, he hasn't given us $50 million, but he's already provided us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So what is our part? Believing. We have to believe for $50 million. I don't have to believe, oh, God, please, and beg God to give me this because he doesn't want to. No. I said no. It's based upon, can I believe that? Can you? Can you believe for the impossible? I don't know about you, but a million's impossible, much less 50 million. So if we're going to believe for the impossible, let's go big. Let's believe for 999,000. A million's just too big. <laughs> In the King James Version, this is big. Are you ready? That verse... In the King James and New King James, it says, so then, faith comes by here. So then. So you know what that means? If you study that scripture out, that phrase, it means that the statement about faith coming through God's word is a result for what was previously said. This is big. Don't miss this now. It's a result of what was previously said in that chapter. What was previously said in that chapter was that faith, righteousness, Righteousness based upon believing what God has done for you. Believing that righteousness is a gift versus righteousness by works. Did you hear me? So if you're going to have the true faith of God, you're going to have to have a foundation that righteousness comes through Jesus, not by yours works and not by my works. So it was a pretty big deal that Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was hitting in the head all of the Pharisees and religious people. That if your righteousness is not, it's like the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Why? Because theirs was based upon works. If you're going to have faith working in your life, your righteousness has to be based upon Jesus, not your works. That's why it says, so then faith comes. How's it come? Based upon what your belief is and how righteousness comes to you. If it comes to you by how well you live, how well you perform, your faith isn't going to come as well. You're going to struggle. I've struggled my faith. You struggle in your faith? There's two things that cause your faith not to struggle. The number one thing is what we're talking about here, your righteousness. If it's based upon your living, your righteousness is shattered why because I know you're not going to be perfect I said you're not going to be perfect and if your righteousness is based upon your performance you will never measure up and so therefore your faith is always going to be on shaky ground number one number two Galatians chapter five verse six somewhere along in there it says faith works by love I've even taught this in the past and it's wrong <laughs> oh. I used to think that, well, you know, my faith won't work if I get in an argument, upset with my wife, 
because I'm out of love, so my faith ain't going to work. <coughs> you look at me really holy out there like, I don't know what he's talking about. Do you, honey? I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> faith works with a revelation of how much God loves you. you don't have and listen this is a never-ending revelation it's like oh okay I got that no because God is never-ending his love you can't figure out God's love you I have a revelation of God's love you do but that's it's not the end it's an unending revelation we'll be learning about this throughout all eternity eternity learning and having a revelation of the love of God. But if you want faith to explode in your life, you have to have a foundation of the righteousness of God, the grace of God. You are righteous because of grace, not based upon anything you've done. That's grace. I don't deserve it. Nope, you don't. Can't pay for it. Can't get good enough. God says, yep, never will happen. But I'm giving you Jesus. And he's going to make you righteous. So that's your foundation. Number two is that God loves you. And I shouldn't have to say this, but unconditionally. With an unconditional love. You have to have that. If you have those two things, faith will explode. You'll, ha- you'll believe stuff accidentally more than when you were trying. I'm telling you, I, I've never believed this big before in my life. As a pastor, I've never, I used to think it was big. I'm going to go into Africa. We were flying standby our first trip to Africa in FedEx back then. I was working for FedEx, and so we could fly for 75% off. So if a ticket cost $1,000, it cost me 250 That's a good deal, in case you didn't know. Only one slight technicality. You have to fly standby. <laughs> So we were flying standby. We got all the way to London. No problem. Matter of fact, it was so empty. The plane was, man, I, in the middle, uh, I think it was a 747. I had five seats to myself, man. I stretched out and went to sleep like a baby. Got to London. I go, yeah, man, this is, this is good. Praise God. Got to London, and they said, you know, we were getting ready to fly from London to uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Flight was overbooked. It was full. They said, there's no seat for you. You're not flying. She looked at this. She says, I said, well, we'll try to catch the next one, you know. And I thought, well, maybe. Maybe you can. Maybe you're not. And I started thinking, we could be stuck in London forever. We spent about, I don't know how many days, and nights. Anything you want to know about London Airport, I know. <laughs> we lived there for a few days. And finally, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you're not believing. You're going and talking to them several times a day, seeing what they are saying, seeing and, tell- and believing everything they say. Why don't you talk to me and believe me? I said, Lord, we got to get there. Yep. So Melly got this idea and still flying in to, uh, I think we were trying to fly into Dar or Nairobi. But we said, well, how about us flying standby into Nairobi or to Dar? I don't know. It was flipped, one of the two. And uh, she says, okay, we can sign you up for that. So we did, flew out that night. I'm telling you, God wants us to believe him. People will say it's impossible. They said it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I mean, it's impossible. Your faith has to be a positive response of what God has already done for you and me. You don't have to come up with the I don't have to come up with the idea of a rec center, a futuristic building, and all the architectural things in it, and what's going to be. I don't have to come up with that. Solomon built a temple, and he did not have a clue how to build it. All of the architectural plans were given to him. He didn't. And he didn't. He wasn't a stone cutter. He didn't know anything about being a, a craftsman in gold or silver. He just knew we're going to build this. How I don't know, but he's going to build it. 
You can do great things in your life, but the problem with you and me is that we have to get it all figured out. God's gonna give you a better job. God's gonna make you an engineer. God's gonna do this, and yeah, but how? And then we get stuck right there. How? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I can't believe it then. You have to break through that and go, I don't know. Don't have to figure it out. I'm just believing God. I'm just believing God. How's God going to bring us $50 million? I don't know. I'm just believing God. How? What? I just told God this morning. I woke up. It was still dark. But I just said, God, I mean, we're going to need people with, with super technology, engineering ability that is just way beyond anybody's. Ooh. It's like, I mean, I mean, it's big. It's big, God. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them in, intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. What? Everything. Building a rec center, building a school, building a, a, a place for single moms, and it, it's impossible, yep. Building a church, supporting people all around the world, that's impossible. You can't do this. You're absolutely right, I can't. I cannot. I don't even. John doesn't call me when he needs help in construction. <laughs> he just don't. I'm not gifted in that area. But I can't believe. Luke 137. Mary says, how can I have a baby? I don't know a man. I mean, I'm not, I've never been with a man. How you, I do know this though. It takes two. We read this verse all the time at Christmas. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And this is how Mary responded. Be it unto me according to your word that you just spoke. How is this going to happen? She said, and she, you know, she didn't understand it. Well, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Now I know how I'm going to do it. Well, you, they, <laughs> oh, no. Just makes you want to believe in the stork all over again. Man, I thought, no, she just says, I don't get it, but be it unto me according to your word. What was she saying? I'm just going to believe that it's going to happen. I don't understand it. Don't know how. You say the Holy Ghost is going to come up. That's fine. That still doesn't make sense how I can get pregnant just by the Holy Ghost coming upon me. But I'm going to believe your word. Let's believe that this can happen to our city. Let's believe for your family. Let's believe for yourself as an individual, for our church and the churches. I mean, this is going to be so big that God's going to say, Mike, we, it's going to be the Baptist, the Presbyterian, the Methodist, the Assemblies, the, and whatever you want in there that believes in Jesus. Hey, listen to me. Everybody's going to have to be in a building program. Six <laughs> percent of the population in Pueblo go to church. If that doubled, there's not enough buildings in Pueblo to house or to have that many. And that's just 12%. I think God wants more than 12%. Just a thought. Just a thought. So what does that mean? Every church, man, they're going to have to think bigger. And we're going to have to have multiple services. I told my Melody, I said, you know, we may need to think about going to three services. She says, let's believe for a bigger building first. It's a lot of work to have multiple services. I remember when we first started having two services, second service, man, I went home and cried. I mean, I just like, it took all everything out of me. I thought, man, it's going to take God. One more. It's, it's a popular in Philippians 4.13. I'll close with this one. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything. And equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Listen to the Passion Translation. I like this. I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. Is that cool or what? I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. When you and I get born again, there is the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, and all of a sudden... You're, you immediately are trained in the secret of overcoming all things. You can be what they call a baby Christian. 
or you can be a Christian who served God for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It doesn't matter. As soon as you get born again, all of a sudden what comes inside of you, I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. You know, the military, they train me for doing certain things. But God says, I've got you trained to overcome everything that you will ever face. Everything, God? Everything. And then it goes on to say, and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. That is so powerful. You and I have explosive power that's inside of us to conquer every single difficulty. It doesn't say that you'll never face difficulty. It just says you can overcome it. If it's a tragedy, if it's something that's never been, you know, like I said, people think everything that happens is the will of God. Well, if that's the choice, then why did God give us a choice then? If it's the will of God, you wouldn't have a choice, would you? I'm telling you, you, you and I cannot believe. I'm getting, I don't have, any, you know, they talk about tolerance. I don't have any tolerance when I'm listening to Christian music or Christian, if, you know, if they sit there and they go, oh, God, through this difficulty that you've given me, man, I can't hit the button fast enough. I just soon hear four-letter words. Yeah, at least you know they're bad. But the, the devil's trying to feed the church that it's if you're, something bad has happened to you, that God is trying to teach you, or you are so in, insufficient in your life for God, and so that's why these things are happening to you. That's worse than using every F word that you can say. Yeah, I said it. I'd rather hear that is to say that my heavenly father is causing destruction upon his children and that's his will. Give me a royal break. That's not the kind of God. We don't serve the same God then. Amen. Woo! I'm telling you, the church, but you know what we do? We concentrate on the four-letter words and, and let, you know, what God thinks about his children going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, yeah, but that's all right. Come on now. It's more offensive to God to say that he causes destruction and then, you know, God doesn't really get offended over a four-letter word. Am I saying it's okay? No, I'm not saying that you should go around. It's, it, no, I'm not, so don't get stupid on me. But what I am saying, it, that's more offensive than cussing. You know, when people, when I'm on a plane and they find out, you know, I mean, it's F this and this and you're talking to me and everything. I go, yeah, wow, yeah, 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 you know. And then I go, what do you do? I go, I'm a pastor. They get so religious. <laughs> the cussing goes out the window. <laughs> and it's like, boom, oh, really? Well, that is really good. And I never hear another cuss. And it's like, really? Really? Okay, everything's okay now. Really? And it's, 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 I almost want to laugh, but I know they would think, what are you laughing at? <laughs> because I'm the same guy that you were cussing at just a few minutes ago. <laughs> Nothing changed. <laughs> Life is so funny. God wants us to believe. Can you believe? Don't focus on what you need to do to get your life straightened up. If you know that you're righteous, if you know that you're loved by God, you will live more holy accidentally than you tried to years ago. I have to be this and I have to be that. You can't. But if you realize the greater one, listen to me. Grace can't be just taught. It has to be revealed to you. You have to know by revelation the grace of God. You have to know by revelation that you're righteous. I'm teaching it so faith can come to you. I'm teaching it so faith can come to you. But I know one thing. I've taught it and taught it, and still some people aren't getting it because they, they think, because I, I I'm not dumb when I hear people talk. And so that, that's okay. I'll keep teaching till we all get it. God was merciful to me. Five years ago, I did not have a revelation of the grace of God. I was the pastor. I was still 
believing that my righteousness was based upon my performance. My blessing was based upon my performance. Five years ago, the Lord started cracking the door. I started cracking the door, not God. I started cracking the door, and grace rushed in like a dam bursted. And all of a sudden, I thought, I didn't even know God. I felt like I didn't even know God. And you know what? I am more free than I've ever been. I have more victory than I've ever had. And my life, to be honest with you, is better, but it's not based upon, I feel like I do things accidentally now more than what I used to. I need to pray. I need to pray. I, never, I don't think that. I don't think, if I better pray today. I love to pray. I get to pray. I don't have to pray. Never have to read my Bible. God's not up there with his, you didn't do that today. Let's stand. Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said to them, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So what's the key? To believe. It says all things are possible to him. That believe. He says, if you can believe. The reason God said that, a guy came up to him and said, God, you can do this. He said, if I can do this, he says, everything's possible. He says, you're putting it on me. He says, what you just said is that you're trying to beg me to do something. I've already, I'm always willing to do this. But he says, can you believe that I can do this? Yes. See, we keep calling out to God and God is saying, it's, it's not up to me. It's just, can you believe that? Because I've already provided everything that you need that pertains to life and to godliness. God says, I've already provided for it. It's just, what is our job? To believe. So we teach. We say what God's will is. Then guess what? You get to choose. Today, you get to choose. You can choose that, to believe you're righteous, to believe that you're holy, to believe that you're healed, to believe that you're prosperous, to believe that $50 million, whoo, coming to Rocky Mountain Family Church. It's coming. We believe.